morning, I have a question for you as we begin today. What is the most committed sin in the life of a Christian? Do you know what it is? Is it some sexual sin? Is it bitterness? Is it jealousy or insecurity? What is the sin that so many Christians commit that leads to a host of other sins? That's the subject this morning on Real Truth for Today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. From His Heart is heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time right here on American Family Radio. And I'm joined in the studio this morning by my favorite co-host, Debbie Shreve. Very good. Smooth intro, Jeffrey. <laughs> so what is the uh, the most common sin, the biggest sin? We could call it the biggest sin that is in the the life of a Christian. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, it says this, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So get ready. He's getting ready to tell us what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. I believe that is the the greatest sin and the, the most common sin in the life of a Christian, failing to be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. So you're saying that is probably the root sin. We have a lot of offshoots that come from that root, but we know in counseling situations, getting to the root of a problem is what you want to do. Okay, You don't want to just deal with the symptoms. You want to get to the root of the disease so that you can excise that and get it out. Right. And um, so being spirit-filled is the uh, root issue wherewith from which we have all these other issues, and we can have a plethora of issues, can we not? Right. So what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, let's back up and say, what does it mean to be a Christian? A Christian is someone who recognizes, I am a sinner, and I am lost, and I am helpless, and I'm hopeless. I can't save myself. I deserve the judgment of God because I have sinned. As David said, I have sinned. As Adam said, uh, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. I did this. And so a Christian understands, I'm a sinner and I need the Savior, and that person turns from sin. There's repentance, a turning away, a changing your mind of what you believe about sin, of what you believe about self, of what you believe about the Savior, and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, that's how you get saved, and when you get saved, some things happen. Your sins are forgiven. You, uh, All of the, the stain is washed away, and you are redeemed. And the biggest thing, the Lord comes to live in your life through the person of the Holy Spirit. Paul said to the Corinthians, or and they were involved in all kinds of terrible sins, he said, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. Every Christian is inhabited, indwelt, sealed with the Holy Spirit. And that happens the moment that we receive Christ. But here's the problem. Just as Paul told the Galatians, you 
foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before, who, who cast a spell on you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Well, obviously the answer is, well, by hearing with faith, not by works of the law. He said, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So here we have uh, a person turns from sin, trusts Jesus, surrenders his or her life to Jesus, and then as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord by faith, so walk in him. Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Walk yielded to Jesus every single day. And so many Christians failed to do that. Well, Jeff, let's let's talk for a minute about the fact that having the Spirit within us is reassurance that we truly have been saved. Right. Right? I mean, it, it's the mark of that. And you've given before in different sermons a great illustration of, of how to know that that has taken place. Because if someone comes to live in your house, right. you know, tell our listeners that, that illustration because it's a really good one. Well, so people struggle uh, a lot of times as a pastor. I've had talked to people, you know, over the years. And, and well, I just don't know if I'm really a Christian. Maybe I didn't do it right. Um, and I realize that if you, if you get saved when you're young, uh, right. You six, don't have a seven, lot of eight. big sins to turn from. No, and you don't see a lot of change necessarily in your life because it's like, well, I grew up in church and, and I've just kind of known this, you know, my whole life. Uh, that wasn't the case for me. I became a Christian when I was 17 years old. So there was a lot of BC before Christ in my life. I saw a massive change. But here's the thing you have to remember. So when you turn your life over to Christ, he, you, you give all your life to Jesus and he gives all his life to you. John chapter two, if you don't give all your life to Jesus, you just say, well, I'm gonna check this out. I'm gonna, I'll give you 50% of my life, Lord. Uh, <coughs> he doesn't come in because it's an all or nothing. It's a, it's a great transfer and it's a great exchange. I give my life to Jesus, he gives his life to me. And when that happens, boom, you are saved. And as it says in Ephesians, in him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, what happens? You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit is our pledge, our down payment, our, our engagement ring, so to speak, that God says, I am giving you my spirit, and that shows that I am never breaking up with you. He is going to be with you forever, and I'm going to come one day and take you to heaven. We are awaiting that day, the rapture of the church when the Lord comes to take us home. And so here's the illustration. If I come to live inside your house, I say, hey, I'm moving in. Um, how, I don't care how big your house is. You would know that somebody else is living there. And especially if I come and say, not only am I living in your house now, but I'm going to be the master of the house. And the master of the house takes the master bedroom. You're out. I'm in. Um, and this is how we're going to do things because now I'm in charge of the house. Uh, you would know immediately 
just like uh, uh, you know you hear these see these signs on restaurants or whatever under new management and uh, typically there are changes when it's under new management that's the life of every christian we're now under new management and the lord says okay you have received me as savior and lord and the word lord means master boss uh, potentate king uh, you lord the lord is in charge but being filled with the holy spirit means every day i have to recognize that i have to yield control to him i have to say uh, jesus you be jesus in me and as paul said i have been crucified with christ it is and it is no longer i who live but christ that lives in me and the life which i now live in the flesh how do you live it paul i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and delivered himself up for me And I just surrender anew and afresh every single day, moment by moment, because the filling of the Spirit is not a one and done. Salvation is a one and done. But the filling of the Spirit, that command in Ephesians 5.18, be being filled. Moment by moment, continuously, let the Lord be in control of your life. Well, in this message of, of yielding daily and moment by moment to the Holy Spirit, is so countercultural. I mean, that is just not what our culture dictates. It is not what we see illustrated in front of us um, because we are, our culture tells us, hey, you have it within you personally. You pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You're in control. You make your decisions. It's very you, you, you focused, me, me, me focused, as opposed to one of yieldedness and of surrender. Our culture wants us to think that anytime we yield or surrender, that is a sign of great weakness. And um, it, it takes a lot of strength <laughs> to yield, actually, to the Holy Spirit, because we have an enemy out there who does not want us to yield, who wants us to be walking in our own power and walking in our own strength and struggling to get through life day to day, moment by moment, um, leaning on our own understanding as opposed to being yielded to the Spirit's control. Right. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Proverbs 3, 5, and do not lean on your own understanding. Well, think again about what Paul says in Ephesians 5, therefore be careful how you walk. Look diligently to how you walk. And don't walk as an unwise man, but as a wise man. Don't be a fool. Don't be uh, a person without sense or without understanding. Another another uh, definition of the Greek word foolish uh, that, that's translated foolish is stupid. Don't be stupid. Make the most of the time you have. All you and I have is a window of time that God puts us on this earth um, The scripture says, so teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom, Psalm 90, verse 12. We only have so many days, and it's just an opportunity, a season to make a difference in this world for Christ. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. At the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema judgment for believers, it were tested with fire. And the only thing that lasts, the gold, silver, precious stone, those are the things that are done in the power of the Spirit. God hates the flesh. Anything that you do in the power of the flesh is wood, hay, and stubble. It will burn up because the Lord hates the flesh. Those who are in the flesh, Romans 8 says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God because the flesh is hostile toward God. And you say, what is the flesh? The flesh is self 
The flesh is, well, I'm going to be in charge here. I'm going to call the shots here. I'm going to do what I want to do. And the flesh can do bad with gross sins, sexual immorality and things like that. Or the flesh can try and do good, a.k.a. the Pharisees. They were guys living, trying to live and do good things in the power of the flesh. And they became very self-righteous and mean and vindictive. And they were awful people. Uh, it was all about the flesh. God hates the flesh. You have to crucify the flesh every single day. I've been crucified with Christ and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. So based on the verses that, that you've read this morning, if we want to be wise, if we want to w- live wisely in this current evil world in which we live, we cannot do it in our flesh. We cannot live wisely in our flesh. That is a supernatural thing that requires us to be under the control of the Holy Spirit to truly live as wise men. Right. So if you think about it, I forget who first came up with this, but I've heard it from many preachers. In every human heart, in every Christian heart, there is a cross and there is a throne. When self is on the throne, then Christ is on the cross. But when Christ is on the throne, then self is on the cross, and you're living, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. I'm letting Jesus live in me, through me. Not only is he resident, but he is president. He is controlling my life. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And remember this, too. Being filled with the Spirit is not like the Spirit is is like a liquid and you're a glass and He's being poured into you. And when you're filled with the Spirit, the the water level goes all the way up to the top. That's not the, the imagery that's used. To be filled with the Spirit is more like your life is a, a sailboat and when you're filled with the Spirit, the wind of the Spirit fills the sails and leads you and guides you along in the direction He wants you to go. Uh, we don't get more of the Spirit. When you get saved, you get all of the Spirit you're ever going to get. Uh, the, the Lord doesn't give the Spirit by measure. The Spirit doesn't come in units. Uh, I got a little bit today, and tomorrow I'll get a little bit more. No, you get all of the Spirit the moment that you get saved. And the big question is not, do I have more of the Spirit, but does the Spirit have all of me? You're listening to Real Truth for today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, and I'm here with my beautiful wife, Debbie. We're talking about the biggest sin in the life of a Christian, and that is the sin of not being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. The following are real life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. 
Hi, this is Pastor Robert Morris. I'm often asked, how do I grow in my relationship with the Lord? How do I hear God? What is God's plan and purpose for me? I want to personally invite you to join me on Sunday mornings right here on AFR for worship and the Word. And we will discover the answer to these questions together. We'll explore the truths found in God's Word that will help you strengthen your faith and develop a more intimate relationship with Him. Amy Carmichael was a missionary in India, rescuing little girls from abuse. In her 50-plus years of ministry, she witnessed the transforming power of the Bible. Sorrowful people are comforted. People who were in the dark walk in the light. Is it not wonderful to think that this book is in our hands today? Bert Harper and Alex McFarlane explore the wonders of the Bible weekday afternoons at 3 Central on American Family Radio. Jesus said, Blessed are the persecuted, and they are suffering big time right now. This is Bible League International, and 19-year-old Aria was beaten by her own father and violated by local authorities. You know what her crime was? Simply that she gave her life to Jesus Christ after leaving radical Islam. Now, she didn't grow bitter. She grew bold, and with others in her evangelical church near Cairo, Egypt, they've seen more than 300 come to Christ, but as new believers are pressured to renounce Jesus, they need Bibles in order to endure and persevere. And elsewhere in the Middle East, Pastor Yusuf and a deacon in his church were kidnapped in broad daylight. His family was unable to pay the ransom, so the Islamic radicals, they beat Yusuf and killed the deacon. But you know, in spite of this mistreatment and the loss of his friend, Pastor Yusuf says it is an honor to suffer for Jesus. And that's why we're sending God's Word at $5 a Bible, $100 sends 20. Call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or give it sendbiblesnow.org, sendbiblesnow.org. God bless you for caring. Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I'm here with my wife, Debbie. We're talking about the the biggest sin in the life of a Christian, and biggest meaning most often committed by Christians, and that is the sin of failing to be filled and live your life filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Listen to it again, Ephesians 5 verses 17 and 18. So then do not be foolish. Don't be senseless, mindless, stupid, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What is it? And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. That is wasteful. That is ruinous. You want to ruin your life? Start drinking a lot. Uh, It'll wreck and ruin everything in your life. So don't get drunk with wine. When you're drunk with wine, you're controlled by the alcohol and you act the fool and uh, you mess up your marriage and your family and your business, everything. Don't do that for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Yield the throne of your life to the Lord Jesus Christ who lives in your life through the person of the Holy Spirit. Well, and it's that yielding control, which is so difficult for us, isn't it? I mean, we just come into this world with a desire to control. Well, the the prayer of Jesus in the garden, not my will, 
but yours be done. Uh, That is the prayer of the Spirit-filled Christian. Lord, I'm letting you and your will control my life. And uh, yeah, you're exactly right. We have a hard time praying that. Right. And to to say, you know, not I, but Christ. So I'm, I'm just really, in every situation, getting into the discipline of saying that in my mind and in my heart, because I do think it's a discipline. I mean, we can, we can desire to do that just like we can desire to lose 20 pounds, but we have to take action. We can't just by osmosis think that this is going to happen. I'm going to read a diet book and I'm going to drop 20 pounds. It it just does not work that way. Would that it could, but it doesn't work that way. And the same is true with continually having to yield ourselves to the Lord. It's to, number one, ask him to make us aware when we're not yielding, because sometimes we are not aware that we are are not yielding. But um, to just be in a continual conversation with him so that we're sensitive to that and to ask him to change our hearts to where we do want to yield and then to discipline ourselves to yield. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. In the Bible, we're never commanded to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We're never commanded to be sealed with the Holy Spirit. We're never commanded to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. All those things happen the moment that you trust Christ as your Savior and Lord, the moment that there is a salvation experience. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, sealed by the Holy Spirit, baptized, for by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 tells us that. So we're never commanded to do any of that. We're commanded to receive Christ and give our lives to Christ. But what we are commanded as it relates to the Holy Spirit, what we are commanded to do is be filled with the Spirit, to yield control to Him. Now, I think it was uh, Campus Crusade that first came up with the three circles that describe three uh, the three categories of people on the earth, and every single person on the planet fits into one of these three categories. So, Debbie, do you want to share those three categories? I will be happy to share the three categories, but I think it would be best if you elaborated on those three categories, okay? okay. okay? Because I'm you're just much better at that than All I right, am. There you go. But there's the self-willed man, okay? The self-willed man, the self-directed man. Well, it's the self-controlled man is the first one. Controlled, okay? I was it not willed in your sermon notes no. yesterday? Okay, I, I've got that wrong even in the sermon notes. Okay, and then the Christ-centered man or the Christ-directed man. Right. Those are the three. So the three. So what does it mean to be self-controlled? A self-controlled person is a person who is totally in the flesh. Uh, remember, what is what is the flesh? Uh, take the H off and spell it backwards and you have what the flesh is. It is self. And the self a centered man, woman, boy, girl, is the the person who uh, has self sitting on the throne, never, has never bowed the knee to Jesus. So Jesus is outside that person's life. Behold, as the Lord says in Revelation chapter 3, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. So a a person who is self-controlled has never yielded one time to Jesus. They've never come to Jesus through repentance of faith. We would call that person a lost person, an unsaved person. And that, that is, those are the people on the broad road, as Jesus talked about, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And many are those who travel on that road. So 
That is the unsaved man. The second type of person or category person is the saved guy, the saved lady, but self is still on the throne. So they, they've received Christ, but they're not letting Christ control them. They're like so many people uh, in the church, so many people who claim the name of Christ. They, yeah, I've trusted Christ. Jesus is my Savior. But you're not letting him be in control. Well, I think that's an interesting verbiage because I was just thinking about this as you were talking. And that, that is this, that the Holy Spirit is not going to force control on us. That's just not, he's a gentleman. He does not do that. So it is a choice that we have to make. We have to allow that to take place because he's not going to force it upon us. Right. And and what a person that's a believer and is not yielded to the Lord, um, they're not being wise and they're not understanding. They're doing exactly the opposite of Ephesians 5. Therefore, be careful how you walk. They're not careful. And not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. They don't see how the, their, their pathway is lined with landmines from the enemy. Uh, our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But we're told to resist him firm in our faith. Well, you're not walking by faith if Jesus is not in control, if you're not yielded to him and you're walking by sight and you're you're calling the shots and you're trying to figure out how to do this you're it's not exhausting well it's exhausting and it's it's futile you're not able to do that and you don't understand how evil the days are and you don't understand how sinister the devil is and uh, i used the illustration yesterday when i was in the mari safari uh park uh wild game park in in uh africa when i went on a mission trip uh, we were behind, we slept behind a, an electric gate and, uh, and a fence all around the property. And right outside, when we went on our first uh, sightseeing tour of the wild animals, right outside the gate, there were two lions. And uh, they, they would have loved to come in and dined on us, but they couldn't get in because of the gate. Hey, the devil wants to gobble you up. And the, the electric gate and fence that the Lord has put around us is being filled with the Spirit when you we're walking with Him. When you're not, uh, you're fair game, and you can really see your life uh, crash and burn in the power of the flesh. Okay, so the two types so far you've talked about are the self-controlled man, the self-directed man, and now let's talk about that last category. So that's the Spirit-filled man, the Christ-directed and Christ-filled man. And so when we talk about uh, Jesus on the throne or the Holy Spirit on the throne, if you get super, super technical, Jesus is in heaven. When we receive Christ, we receive him through the Spirit. Remember, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away, for if I don't go away, the Spirit won't come. But if I go away, he will come to you. And this is why it's better, because the Spirit not only will be with you, but Jesus said he will be in you. Now, when Jesus was uh, conducting his earthly ministry in the first century, uh, he was with the disciples. He didn't live in the disciples. If they went, like in John 4, they left him at the well with the woman at the well, and they went to town to get some supplies, well, then they weren't with Jesus because they were only with Jesus when they were in his presence. But now the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us, 
And everywhere we go, he goes with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And so it's better to have the spirit living within. We kind of think it's better. Well, gosh, I wish I'd lived during the time of Jesus and the gospels. That would have been better. No, Jesus said it's better now because I'll be with you everywhere you go through the person of the Holy Spirit. And the spirit-filled life is you've just surrendered to Jesus. You say, like we used to sing that song, Jesus be Jesus in me. No longer me, but the resurrection power. Fill me this hour. Jesus, be Jesus in me. Well, you know, I I know that I have seen this, and I'm sure some of our listeners have as well, but so often uh, being spirit-filled, even within Christian circles and with Christian verbiage, can just get a bad rap because we have seen manifestations of that on television with people, you know, laughing uncontrollably, with people barking like dogs, with people right. doing all kinds of bizarre things under the under the banner of being spirit-filled. Right. And so talk to us a little bit, Jeff, about what that actually looks like. Well, okay, so when you see weird things like that, uh, I always tell people, go back to the Gospels, because the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. Jesus said, I will send a, a, another one just like me, the helper, who is just like me, the third person of the Trinity. And uh, he, Jesus said, he'll guide you in all truth. Now, in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't read anywhere uh, uh, of some kind of ecstatic weird, insane kind of uh, gathering where people are running around and barking like dogs and rolling around. We read about people rolling around when they're demon-possessed, but not when they're in the presence of Jesus. They're, uh, as the Gadarene demoniac, he was clothed and in his right mind. He was sane. He wasn't insane. And so uh, there's no way that the Holy Spirit is going to lead meetings that are contrary to what Jesus led because the Spirit is just like Jesus. And so the, the things that we see and, and hear about, um, that's just not biblical. And this idea that, that you get zapped after you get saved, then you get filled with the Holy Spirit and it's some kind of second blessing and it's some kind of one and done, that's not scriptural. Ephesians 5.18, be being filled on a continuous basis, yield your life every moment by moment to the control of the Holy Spirit. And so when something happens to you, when someone hurts you, when someone wrongs you, yielding to the Spirit says, I choose to forgive that person. Refusing to yield to the Spirit says, I'm going to be bitter at that person because of what they did. They hurt me. They wronged me in some way. Well, you can't be filled with the Spirit if you're holding on to bitterness. You can't be filled with the Spirit if you're holding on to any sin. Uh, then, then the flesh takes the the throne, and uh, you've you've told the Lord, "No, I'm going to handle this from this uh, time forward." So, when you're filled with the Spirit, here's what it says: Ephesians five nineteen, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Interesting, we are told in Ephesians to be filled with the Spirit, commanded to be filled with the Spirit, and then it goes after that into marriage relationships, into family relationships, into work relationships, slave-master relationships, and then into the battle that we do with the devil. 
uh, stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So everything in the Christian life is predicated on being filled with the Spirit. And when you are, it shows up. People can tell the difference because there you don't have an edge to you. You don't have this kind of uh, you know demeanor. Uh, there's a song in your heart. You, you, you're singing, and you might not be singing really well. The Holy Spirit doesn't turn you into Pavarotti, but there's a song there, and there's a sweetness there, and the sweet aroma, the knowledge of him is going forth in every place you go, and people recognize it. Right, and, and we've seen that take place in other people's lives. You know, we've seen people who have been, uh, quote, radically saved, unquote, you know, where they have just done such a 180 in, in terms of their behavior and even in terms of just their body language, their facial expression, because it goes back to your previous illustration in that last segment where it's like, hey, when, when someone is living in your house— <laughs> you know that they're there because changes take place. Right. And remember this, too, uh, a good illustration. You know, when you go to a hotel, one of the things that they have at hotels, you have those little door hangers that says, do not disturb. And you put that on there. When you don't want the maid to come by, you just, hey, we want our privacy or we don't need the maid service. Don't knock on my door. We put on a do not disturb. Um, We tend to do that with the Holy Spirit. You know, if you think about your life as a house, you know, you have rooms and you say, well, Holy Spirit, you can be in this room. This is my this is my social room. You can be in here. This is my church room. You can be in here. Uh, but this is my business room. And uh, I'm putting a do not disturb sign on that door. Don't go in there because that's reserved for me. Or maybe it's my uh, maybe it's the social room for you. And you're like, you know, when I date and things I do in my dating life, well, I want to put a do not disturb sign on there. You can't have any do not disturb signs and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It means he's he's in control of everything. Well, I I read this um, in an article about being filled with the Spirit, and I thought it was just so good. But it says this, as you walk in the Spirit, confessing, turning from your sins, relying on his power, being obedient to his word, you will develop a habit of holiness. At first, like a toddler learning to walk, you'll fall down a lot. But pretty soon, walking becomes the norm, and you experience His fullness in the ever-expanding capacity. He will control and influence your thoughts, your emotions, your words, your attitudes, your schedule, your relationships, your finances, all of life. He does not do this as a master controls a robot, but rather using your unique personality and gifts. He fills you as the wind fills the sails of the ship. I love that. Amen. You're listening to Real Truth for today. Jeff Shreve and Debbie Shreve here today. We'd love to take your call, 1-888-589-8840. Don't go away. We'll be right back. AFA Excellent. One News Announcing AFA.net slash connect. One News Now. It's the one click that will link you to so many AFA platforms. Pick and choose which updates you want to receive. Easily subscribe or unsubscribe. American Family Studio. And to quote our privacy policy, American Family Association will not sell, rent, or lease your personal information to outside organizations. AFA Journal. Make a better connection with AFA at AFA.net slash connect. 
What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA upholds the truth that all human beings, including the unborn, are created in the image of God and are worthy of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation Thank you for standing with us. Steve Russo with Real Answers. So what did you do today? Go to school or work? Maybe you spent time with friends or surfed the internet to see what was new. Then there might have been yard work or some homework to do. But what did you do today that really mattered for eternity? It's easy to get caught up in a daily routine and those urgent things that make for crazy days. However, God wants us to have an eternal perspective about life, a sense of urgency about the times in which we live. We must intensively buy up all of the opportunities available to us each day to make our lives count. Ephesians 5 gives us this advice. So be careful how you live, not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Who says there's no such thing as absolute truth? Find the answers you're looking for at the Real Answers website, www.realanswers.com. American Family Association President, Tim Wildman. Why does AFA exist? Well, we're here to inform, equip, and activate individuals and families to transform the culture. We wanna make an impact on our country for Christ. That's the reason my dad, Don Wildman, started this ministry 40 plus years ago. Dad was concerned about the direction America was headed and he was determined to do something about it. Maybe that describes you today. If it does, I want to strongly encourage you to consider a charitable gift annuity to American Family Association Foundation. This will benefit you and it will ensure that we stay in the fight for a long, long time to come. That's the AFA Foundation. Call the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. Welcome back to Real Truth for today. Jeff and Debbie Shreve here, and we are talking about the biggest sin in the life of a Christian, the sin that's so uh, often committed by Christians, and that is the sin of failing to yield to the Lord, failing to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God and controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Well, in this segment, we're taking your calls, 1-888-589-8840. That's 1-888-589-8840. And we have Julia from Michigan on the line. Julia, welcome to Real Truth for Today. Julia, are you there? To hear you. And I just want to thank you for living what you are teaching. We receive the Holy Spirit over the radio every time you and Debbie share and teach us, and I'm hanging on every word, and I just thank you for this equipping it's a blessing. It is needed in my life, and I'm sure it's needed in everyone you're talking to. So thank you. Oh, you're very sweet, Julia. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, and that's a great encouragement to my heart. So thank you for calling in. Um, 
One thing to remember, people wonder, well, how do I, how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? How does that come about? Uh, I learned early in my Christian life about something called spiritual breathing. Spiritual breathing is this. You start off your day and you, Romans 12, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Start off your day just yielded to the Lord. Lord, here I am. I want you to be in charge of me this day. I surrender anew and afresh to you, and Jesus be Jesus in me. Now, during the day, there is a uh, great opportunity to take back the wheel, to take back the throne. You respond to somebody in anger or you, uh, somebody hurts you and you lash back insult for insult, whatever it is, you, you sin in some way. So spiritual breathing is I exhale that sin, I confess that sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I confess that sin to the Lord and then I breathe in, his control again. I exhale, confess my sin. I inhale, Lord, I want you to be in control of my life. I want to walk in the light as you yourself are in the light. The Bible says, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. You know, in that last segment, Jeff, that last passage that I was reading, which was a quote, um, talked about the habit of holiness. And I think that's, that is what that spiritual breathing is all about, is to just really develop that habit of holiness and, and to just ask the Lord to make it known to us when we do take back over the wheel, when we, when we do grab control back. Because I think I said this earlier, so often we're in the habit of control. And so we have to become aware when we're doing that to be able to turn from it. Because part of our growing in the Lord is that the more we get to know him and the more he fills us and we allow him to fill us, the more yielded we are and the more we allow him in and we allow him to control and the more he changes us, the more he makes us like Christ. And so if, if, if we're new believers and we're new to this, we're not going to be having every single part of our life yielded. That doesn't just instantaneously no. happen. It, it is a habit of holiness that we have to um, discipline ourselves in, that we have to have the Lord's help in opening our eyes to those areas in which those blind spots may be in which we are not yielded. And it's just a continual process of growth. And we are not going to be yielded completely until we are in glory with him. We're on this road of sanctification and becoming more and more like Christ, but that isn't going to take place all at one time. It's a continual process. No. So the, here's what the scripture says in Romans 8. Romans 8 is all about life in the spirit. And it says, uh, so then brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. Now here's the Christian life. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. The Spirit-filled Christian is being led by the Spirit of God. They're letting the Holy Spirit fill their sails and move them along in the direction God wants them to go. And as Debbie said, none of us do that perfectly. We, we struggle with that. We struggle with praying the prayer of Jesus, not my will, 
but thine be done. And uh, we desperately need to pray that prayer. So we have on the line... Alan. Alan. Alan from North Carolina. Alan, go ahead. You're on Real Truth for today. Alan, are you there? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were getting me. Uh, <laughs> yes. Pastor Jeff, I agree with you completely. Um, I've been someone who's been trying to teach this concept for a long, long time, and I don't get a lot of people that really get it. But my observation is he who owns the will owns all. And at any moment in time, either the Spirit of God is in control of your will or he is not. And if he is not, you're in disobedience to God. And that's what that command means. Any moment of any day, it's a command. And we're either submitting to the Spirit or we're not. Right. That's a great point. I like that. Whoever controls the will, I like the way you said that, Alan. Whoever controls the will, that's who's in control. Right. Anything else you'd like to add? Well, I don't know. uh, I've been a pastor, and I've been involved in missions, and it's been something that, that I struggle with myself. And I agree completely. It's probably the the biggest sin that I ever commit is not allowing the Spirit of God to be in control of my life. And when I don't, I realize the difference. And it's a big, big difference. Right. Amen. Well, I appreciate that, Alan. God bless you, my brother, and God bless your ministry. I, I will say this. I have some some uh, dear friends who, who believe differently on this subject. They believe that that uh, there is this second blessing that you get saved and then you get, quote-unquote, baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is a, a different experience and it's an ecstatic experience. They, they will go back to the book of Acts and say, see, the, the disciples were saved, but on Acts chapter 2 in, in the, on the day of Pentecost, then they were, quote-unquote, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then they received the Holy Spirit and they were speaking with tongues and there was power and there was, it's a difference, they say. Here's the problem with that. Acts is a transitional book. Acts is the coming of the Holy Spirit, and in Acts you have these um, these issues that are, or these instances that are discussed where the, the Spirit comes on the Jews, Acts chapter 2, then the Spirit comes on the Samaritans, Acts chapter 8, then the Spirit comes to the Gentiles, Acts chapter 10, and uh, we see that because Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea, that's where the Jews were, and Samaria. The Samaritans were half Jew, half Gentile. Uh, the, the, the Jews didn't have any dealings with Samaritans because they looked at Samaritans as compromisers. They, they polluted their race. And then to the remotest parts of the earth, that's the Gentiles. And so when the, when the Holy Spirit comes to those people groups, then you have to have that authenticated by the disciples. And then the, it's the evidence of the Spirit speaking with tongues, and tongues were known languages. That's all we have in Scripture. It's a known language. It's not uh, ecstatic utterance. It's not gibberish. It's a language that people understood. But then once you get past that and the Holy Spirit has come to those people groups, then you don't have this situation where somebody has to lay hands on you to receive the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 
In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Jeff, I'm going to do a little bit of a lane change on you, but let's talk for a minute about the connection between knowing God's word and walking in the spirit. How important it is to know what God's word says so that we can yield correctly in different areas of our life. Talk about that just for a minute. Okay, well, Jesus said, if you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. So we're not to be hearers of the word only. We're to be hearers who do it. We're to be doers of the word. Now, you can't be doers of the word until you first hear the word. And you can't do what he says until you hear what he says and know what he says. So we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How do we do that? Through the Word of God, through the teaching of the Word, through meditating on the Word, through uh, coming to church and hearing the Word taught and hearing the Word preached and, and letting the Word, as the Scripture says, let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. God speaks through His Word. It is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you're going to grow in your faith, you can't grow in your faith apart from the Word of God. And so as I read the Bible and I let the the Word get into me, God uses that to convict me. He uses that to show me things. He uses that to uh, open my eyes to truth. Uh, The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. He will guide you, Jesus said, into all the truth. And so there is no way to walk with God uh, apart from the Word of God. Missionaries and people who have stories of, hey, I was put in prison, I didn't have a Bible, but they had the Word that they had meditated on and memorized. They had their wor- the Word in their heart that God used, and that would come and comfort them and give them strength to keep on going. Uh, Darlene Dibler Rose, one of my favorite missionaries, uh, she was in a prisoner of war camp with the Japanese, and they didn't let her have a Bible, but she would have songs that would speak to her heart, hymns that would speak to her heart, scripture that would speak to her heart, and uh, and she just knew, hey, the Lord said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, Isaiah 43, and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You don't necessarily, in those instances, have to have, uh, you know, books and chapters and uh, tons of stuff memorized. God will bring to your mind the things that you have in there. But it's a call to all of us, the more scripture I get into my heart, the more I memorize, the more it will help me when I don't have a Bible, when I'm in a difficult situation where the word needs to come out, and the more it ministers to me as I'm dealing with difficult situations. Well, I know that when we're yielded to the Spirit, it does produce things in us. It produces peace. It produces joy. It produces all of those things that the Bible talks about. But our choice to be to, to truly yield to the Spirit is one that's based on the truth of God's Word. It's not some big emotional uh, charged 
situation. And um, I think we have to always go back to the truth of God's word. And I was thinking as you were talking about that, about after my dad had his stroke, he had a massive stroke. He was in ICU for over three months. He didn't speak for over two and a half months. And when he finally came out of it, and he had had a severe brain injury due to this uh, bleed that he had in his head from the stroke, but the he might not remember names. He might not remember how to brush his teeth. He might have to learn all those things over again. But the one thing he did remember was he remembered the word of God because that was down so deep within him. Right. And so even from that hospital bed, he was able to quote different verses and things like that because that was so, so deep within him. And that was a real uh, testimony to me personally right. of the significance and importance of of like God's word says, to hide his word in your heart so that you may not sin against him. Right. And it'll come back uh, in in strange ways. You memorize uh, a verse of scripture or a, uh, verses, a block of scripture. Um, I remember memorizing Colossians chapter three when I was on the campus at the University of Texas. And I was just walking to class one day and just a, a verse out of Colossians three, when Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. And I thought about that, when Christ, who is our life. I don't have life outside of Jesus. He is my life. He is my everything. I love him, and I'm commanded to love him with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, and all my mind and might. And uh, Christ is for the believer. He is your everything. And as the little poem says, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Now, how can you know that you're filled with the Holy Spirit? An easy way, two things. There will be joy in your heart. Uh, the little couplet says, joy is the flag that is flown from the castle of the heart when the king is on his throne, when the king is in residence. There will be joy. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You will have joy even in the midst of difficulty, and you will have peace because Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and when He is in charge, He brings peace. Peace even in the midst of the storm. Well, you've been listening to Real Truth for today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, and I appreciate you being with us every uh, every morning. We'll be back again next week. Remember the two words we like to... Oh, I'm sorry, tomorrow. Next week. Tomorrow. Hmm. Next yeah. week and tomorrow. Shine for Christ and share what great things the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. God bless you. <laughs>